0: This perhaps goes without saying, but there's nothing more important to our well-being than the air that we breathe. And sometimes it takes events like having your city or town enveloped in wildfire smoke to remind you of just how crucial clean air actually is. I had my first taste, and literally I mean taste, of that issue when I was living in Beijing about 12 years ago, where every once in a while, the toxic soup you walked around in each day was, uh, was hard to describe. Uh, you can kind of describe the taste. It was a bit like chemical meets cigarette. But uh, there were days when the particulate matter was so high, it basically exceeded the maximum on any chart out there. Well, today is Clean Air Day in this country, in Canada, all part of Environment Week in uh, this country. So it is a fitting time for a checkup on how we're doing both here and around the world. And joining me to help us do that is Dr. Michael Brower. He's a professor in the Faculty of Medicine uh, and the School of Population and Public Health at the University of British Columbia, um, and also involved in many large studies on uh, both air pollution and its effects. Thanks so much for your time tonight. Thanks for having me. I mean, uh, I guess one of the things I found fascinating just reading some of the research that you've done is that uh, if anything, the the amount of sort of fatalities attributable to air pollution are actually increasing around the world, uh, not decreasing, at least not according to the stats I was looking at. Is that the case?
1: Yeah, that's true from a a global perspective. What we're seeing is we still have some uh, large parts of the world that that really haven't fully industrialized. So I think most people are familiar with um, with China's growth, and we have countries like India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, uh, many countries in Asia and the Middle East that that are kind of haven't yet peaked in terms of their development, and a lot of that development um, coincides with uh, increases in air pollution. And it's really only when economies um, uh, sort of become wealthy enough that they they seem to be able to put some emphasis on on then cleaning up the air. So that's sort of the trend that we're seeing. Um, overall air pollution um, globally just really hasn't uh, hasn't improved that much. Although we've certainly seen benefits and, and improvements in in Canada over time.
0: Yeah, I mean the numbers are are fairly staggering in terms of just where it ranks in terms of uh, not to use the word killer, but in terms of uh, where it ranks when it comes to to cause of death, and also just uh, how high those numbers are worldwide.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I don't I don't really think anybody, uh, you know, just just uh, off the top of their head would would appreciate that that how important it is in terms of cause of death globally around the world and. Really, the reason for that is if you if you contrast it with something like smoking, smoking for an individual that smokes is certainly more hazardous uh, even than breathing polluted air uh, in in Beijing. But um, fortunately, only twenty percent or so of the population smokes, and with air pollution, it's a hundred percent. So everybody is sort of getting this massive uh, massive dose of something that's that's really toxic for you, and that's where that's where the numbers really add up and where where they come from. So. Globally, we are seeing around, you know, four million deaths uh, every single year um, from from air pollution, which is really, really is quite staggering.
0: Yeah. When I was living in Beijing, they used to have something called a blue sky day, which meant that actually there was <laughs> the sky was blue and the air felt relatively fresh. That was, uh, and it was celebrated. It's gotten better, I gather, over time since I was last there. Um, Canada though, we're not, I mean, the air here is fairly clean, but we've had wildfires of late that are a reminder of, again, of, of just why air quality is important. And uh, we're not immune to, to the deaths either, are we?
1: No, no, we're not. And the the most recent estimates that Health Canada has uh, put together suggest that annually we see about 15,000 deaths in Canada um, due to air pollution. And as you mentioned, with the warmer climate, um, even though we've made a lot of improvements in terms of our our vehicle emissions, in terms of industrial emissions, um, so the air really is quite clean in Canada, uh, because of warmer climate, we're going to see that wildfire smoke threat um, that's going to last for the, you know, for our lifetimes. And it's probably going to get worse. So all of those gains that we've made um, through technology, um, we have to continue to make those because this this wildfire threat that um, we really can't control, uh, uh, you know, into the future. That's going to get worse. And, and our air quality is you know likely to likely to. Stay uh, the way it is or, in fact, get worse, certainly in the summer season.
0: Yeah, that was one of the things I remember so distinctly a few years ago during one of the major wildfires. I'm not sure which one it was, but that, you know, that uh, BC had some of the worst air quality on the planet that week. Uh, it's it's uh, from your position, I guess that is something we just have to get used to. And that you're right, that is going to have a huge impact considering all the other things we've done to curb air pollution, that those sorts of wildfires really change the equation a lot. I mean, uh, what sort of impact have they had just just from from where you sit?
1: yeah so we we know now that you know those those wildfires are responsible for for um, deaths they're responsible for hospitalizations emergency room visits um, asthma attacks you know all of this and um, we used to think of them as fairly rare events uh certainly there were smoke events that would affect smaller communities um certainly ones that are in heavily forested regions of of the country um, but now it's kind of become an annual event that perhaps not all of our major cities but um, almost every summer at least one or two of our major cities gets affected by an event like this and it's not only um, our forests we uh, certainly in in the west we over the last several summers have been impacted by smoke from from california from washington state from oregon uh, we've even had smoke coming over um, the, the Arctic from Siberia that's degraded air quality in DC. So this is a global issue, and we are just going to be faced uh, uh, with with smoke. And um, as we um, see more of these these kinds of summers, we see the impacts, and, and we we can see the um, the counts of, of deaths and all of these other health outcomes uh, increase. Um, There's a lot we can do in terms of sort of preparedness um, that we hope will minimize uh, any impact in the future. But it is really something that that we're unfortunately going to have to adapt to
0: and And uh, no no doubt it has a cascading effect exacerbating other existing uh, conditions. as we saw with uh, the coroner's report yesterday on that heat dome last summer that a lot of the people who fell victim to the heat had already had pre-existing conditions. I imagine with uh, with uh, pollution, it's exactly the same.
1: Yeah, but we know pollution sort of does two things. Um, these kind of shorter episodes the 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 week or so, that certainly exacerbates conditions for people who already have heart and lung disease or diabetes, especially. But we also know that over time, um, air pollution can really lead to the development of lung disease and the development of heart disease. Um, So just like many of those other risk factors for those diseases that people are aware of, um, smoking, lack of physical activity, dietary factors, um, over time, air pollution can really produce these these diseases, and one of the things that we 're concerned about with these wildfire smoke events is that if they become a regular occurrence um, for one month or six weeks every summer for individuals that even though the rest of the year that air quality is rather good, uh, that could actually lead over over a lifetime to develop uh, development of some of these diseases, including things like lung, ca- lung cancer.
0: I guess yeah those would be the long term consequences. I guess we're just not really aware of the long term consequences of that yet because it is relatively at least I mean it's not unprecedented but it is relatively new in terms of the intensity that we've seen.
1: Right. We you know it's been it's been probably 15 years or so since um you know this started to ramp up but we're certainly seeing in the last um 5 or 6 years that it it's really become annual and and again as I mentioned even though we uh, for example in BC um We've had a few summers where we've had actually pretty light um, fire activity, uh, but unfortunately we we still get affected by smoke coming up from south of the border. Um, other years it's sort of our turn um, that, that things may be rather light south of the border, and then it's smoke from D.C. That, that will affect Oregon and Washington State. Um, and and also the smoke actually can drift uh, over the country, so um, we've certainly seen impacts of smoke from fires in the West affecting all the way down to the, to the East Coast, both in Canada and the U.S., so the smoke doesn't actually just stay uh, local.
0: I'm speaking with Dr. Michael Brower. He's a professor at the faculty, in the Faculty of Medicine at the School of Population and Public Health uh, as well at the University of British Columbia. Uh, we're t- It's clean air day. We were talking about uh, air pollution and uh, its devastating effects globally, uh, but certainly here as well And some of the trends that we've been seeing of late. Uh, the natural question is what to do to try to improve things. Uh, we'll get to that after this. We're talking with Dr. Michael Brower this uh, half hour. It's clean air day in this country. Uh, Dr. Brower is an expert in this. He's a professor in the Faculty of Medicine uh, at the School of Population and Public Health, the University of British Columbia as well. Um, we talked in the last a bit just about the continued damage that air pollution is doing around the world and here at home. And I guess the, the question always is, uh, Dr. Brower, what do you do to fix it, and I and we just had this report on heat-related deaths yesterday as well. Where you know, there's I guess there are just some things you can do to improve uh, air quality and, and protect yourself from the heat in sort of an urban environment. There, there are things that we could be doing to try to mitigate some of these risks that we're seeing.
1: Sure, there's really sort of two main angles that that we want to approach the problem. One, um, ultimately, which is the most important, is we need to get on with basically decarbonizing our, our economy. Um, so we know that um, that air pollution, so the fires that we discussed earlier, that's responsible for maybe 20% or so, but then we have 10% from industry, 10% from sort of our, our energy production, uh, 10% from transit, uh, transportation. Um, so all of these, those that I, that I mentioned, are really burning things. So we're burning fuels. And so the same contributions that we that they make to uh, to climate change, they're actually making those uh, contributions to to air pollution. And if we get into a carbon free economy um, where we're using um, non-combustion sources really to generate electricity and for all of our power production, then we're going to make big impacts on on the air pollution side Um, until then. Um, there are things that sort of we can do uh, as individuals um, to basically minimize the health impacts. We're not going to, as individuals, unfortunately, do a lot to reduce the the production of air pollution, but we can minimize the impacts on our health. And there there are things like um, we know air cleaners, so room air cleaners, um, they're very effective um, and so if people can operate them indoors they they really do clean the air in your in your home especially during a um, smoke event like we discussed a wildfire event that's something that individuals can can use we used to not really recommend masks um just because it was kind of absurd to sort of think about people um wearing masks 24 7. um but of course we had a lot of practice and a lot of experience doing that um over the last couple years And um, and uh, so, actually, wearing the sort of KN95 or N95 type masks also offer a lot of protection against uh, air pollution. So things like that that that, uh, can be effective.
0: I remember when I was living abroad, both China specifically, always checking the air quality index. It's not something we do a lot here, but is there sort of is there is there warning signs? I mean, we were talking again yesterday about heat alerts. Uh, I know we get air alerts at times, but not often. But is there anything we should be looking out for uh, in terms of how we can measure what what when we should be protecting ourselves?
1: Well, we do have in Canada um, really a world beating sort of index, air quality health index. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is really well calibrated, so it's actually based on our measurement of health impacts uh, in the population and it's um, you know widely available. It's easy to look up uh, sort of any day, um, hour by hour, and that really is the prime um, source of information um, that, that people should be following. We also suggest certainly people that have these pre-existing heart and lung disease that they, they kind of self-calibrate. So it's not like you should be obsessed with the air quality health index um, every day or every hour, but um, get a sense of when you're actually feeling symptoms um, whether that's at a level four or level five whatever for individuals it, it may it may differ and then use that to um, adjust your your activities um, one other thing that i I think we're unfortunately going to have to be thinking about doing um, in the future is maybe just changing the way that we <laughs> We spend our time sort of seasonally, and this, this is uh, due to heat, but also due to, to air quality, especially the, the wildfire smoke. So I certainly know many, many people who have um, been on vacation in July and August or planned vacations in July and August and um, basically been smoked out, um, haven't been able to to go on, on the vacations that they planned. And we may be entering an era where we need to think actually about um, – taking vacations kind of on shoulder seasons before and after the fire season while it's still relatively nice temperature and, and maybe actually thinking about um, spending more time actually indoors, unfortunately, um, during July and August because it's going to be too smoky. And, and so I don't think that's imminent, but it's something that we, we ought to actually be thinking about uh, into the future. And those are all just sort of examples of, of adaptation. It doesn't mean we never get to go on vacation, but instead of doing it in the middle of August, maybe it comes the, becomes the norm to do it um, in early June um, or or in early September.
0: Michael, I mean, I haven't lived in BC for that long, but that would seem like such an, you know, thinking of having to live sort of the way they do in places where it's much hotter, you know, the Floridas of the world, where you kind of uh, spend your your winters and your springs and falls outdoors, but in the summer, it's time to close the doors and turn up the air conditioning. And, and that's not always advisable either, but at least try to stay cool. Um, yeah, that's that's certainly that's certainly a statement. But well, we've seen it already. I mean, for a few years in a row, I guess one of the things that's always interesting is you know we, we talk about things being unprecedented, and then every once in a while you realize, well, this has happened now many times of late, and it's no longer unprecedented it's sort of it's become more and more part of the norm, whether we're talking about heat, the heat dome, obviously different, but also also smoke events uh, that we've seen over the past years. I guess we'll just have to get used to it
1: yeah un- unfortunately that that really is is correct, and you know I hate to be the bearer of bad news but mm-hmm it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. So, um, it, and that doesn't mean that every summer is going to be horrible. We're going to have a heat dome every summer. But if you think about um, these kind of smoke events or these heat events, we have those in the past, but they were, you know, once a decade. Um, and now we're seeing them, you know, two out of three years, three out of four years. Um, and it's, it's, we're looking at this for, uh, even if we make changes Immediately, in terms of our emissions that, um, that force uh, a warmer climate, we're going to be living this with, with this for the next 50 years. Um, and it, it hasn't peaked yet.
0: Michael Brower, thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it, as always.
1: My pleasure.